Welcome to At Home and Abroad with Harrison Walker. Join us each week as we explore the far reaches of the globe in search of unique characters and stories to share. Reach beyond your front door as we uncover new perspectives, intriguing ideas, and lessons learned over time. Let's jump in. Music is so powerful. It can change mindsets, spread knowledge, and bring people together to support a cause. Mm -hmm. It evokes something within us, Harris, something primal and critical to our well-being in essence. It does. Music can also be gentle. It is happy to be in the background, serving as a soundtrack to our lives as they unfold in all their drama, trauma, and glory. Yeah. And it can be the release valve for joy, for grief, and even for anger. Mm -hmm. Join us as we chat today with Cheryl Bauer, president and founder of Voices Rock Canada, an organization of rock choirs for the 21st century, as we dive deeper into the bonds that music builds in our communities. So let's harmonize here a little and key into why music strikes a chord in our hearts and our human experience. You know I just love music, right, Walker? I do. Music is a big part of your life, isn't it, Harris? It's a huge part of my life. So, did you come from a musical family? Yeah. I, would, I would think yes. Yes, definitely. <laughs> my childhood memories always feature my baba, my grandmother at the piano, and my papa on the washtub bass. I know. And <laughs> both my mom and my uncle were really proficient singers, so they would often perform at the piano. I don't know why I have Berenstein Bears in my in my mind right Are now. You I think serious? it's the answer. I think they're on a on a, <laughs> a wash up or something. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe. It's kind of an instrument of old, right? Yeah, like you absolutely. don't see the washtub bass no. really anywhere. But uh, anyway, so there was always a lot of sing song in our family gatherings and it was just really magical. Well, I'm curious what lessons you took. Were you one of those children who started playing piano at three years of age? Uh, No, I am not a piano prodigy. Sadly, I never had the patience to really put in the practice that's required. Right. My mom and my baba were really, really good at piano, and they tried very hard to encourage me to pursue it, but I had other ideas. I bounced around from the cello to the guitar, but really my instrument I've settled on is my voice. The cello. Were you hauling that around the city? Yes. <laughs> on the bus to and from school. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And I used to play, we had these like separate little lessons, lunchtime lessons at school when I was in like grade seven and eight. And I used to play with this other guy. His name was Chris. If you're listening, Chris, you'll know who you are, <laughs> who was so patient with me because I never practiced. And he was like, uh... He had virtuoso. it virtuoso. He had it nailed down. Yeah, right? and he's now very, very, very successful in his career playing cello. Oh, he is and a musician. He's a musician. Went on to be a musician. Okay. Anyway, poor, poor guy. He suffered me very gently. He was <laughs> a, a lovely saint. person. A saint. Yeah. So voice is my instrument, but not trained. Okay. Not like, say, for example, Prince. Right. Did you know that Prince sang and played twenty-seven? Of the instruments that you hear on his first album? I had no idea. Uh, Yeah. And it was released when he was just 20 years old. Like, what a talent. That's crazy. I know. That's a lot of instruments. I I feel so badly. I can't even (laughs) name 27 instruments, Walker. Right? Right? Well, I haven't ever been a big fan of Prince, but I had no idea he was more than a singer and a guitarist. Yeah, yeah. So how about you, Walker? Did you take any music lessons when you were growing up? Oh, well, I mean... 
my musical history is a lot more disappointing <laughs> compared to you and Prince. In school, my instrument of choice was a flute, but I didn't play it seriously. And I did take piano for a year and a half when I was really young. But I was always very panicky before every lesson as I never really properly learned how to read music. Right. And I always felt like I was bluffing before I went into my lesson and that my secret would be revealed. And I was really scared the teacher was going to yell at me. Yeah, well, music teachers, like especially piano teachers for some reason when we were kids, they were a little harsh. I know, right? right? Like you remember the slapping of knuckles with rulers? I never had that, but oh, I, I saw it on TV. Oh, I know. You it see was it a in thing. movies, yeah. right? It came from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> well, no good. I'm somewhat traumatized by the whole experience. And every time I hear the intro to a song to a certain popular radio show here in Canada, it reminds me of driving to piano lessons. Oh, poor you. <laughs> I know. Well, despite the panic, maybe you shouldn't have given up, Walker. Did you know that none of the Beatles could read or write music? What? I know. I was totally taken aback by this too, but apparently it's really common knowledge. And I love the Beatles. How did I not know this? That's crazy. Maybe... I don't know, maybe there's hope for me yet, Harris. I would think so, Walker. <laughs> I would think so. Well, I've got a little fact for you that might also throw you for a loop, Harris. Do you know that some people don't appreciate music? Uh, pardon? That's madness. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm completely serious. This topic is discussed at length in the Atlantic article, Inside the Heads of People Who Don't Like Music by Divya Abbott. Okay, so tell me, I just can't imagine not appreciating music. Well, three to five percent of the world's population have a lack of interest in music. There's even a medical term for it. It's called musical anhedonia. Okay, well, it would have to be a medical condition to explain it. Well, research shows that people who enjoy music experience an increase in heart rate or skin conductance, which is when a person's skin temporarily becomes a conductor of electricity when stimulated. But in people with musical andonia, this just doesn't happen. Hmm. A University of Barcelona study also examined people's reaction to music and found that in people who claim not to enjoy music, the auditory and reward regions of the brain didn't interact when they listened to music. Wow. Now, if you would have told me this when I was 14, I would have told you I identified with these people. Really? I just didn't. You know, I just didn't feel the connection with music that my peers did. Wow, that really surprises me, Walker. I know. I remember in grade eight mentioning it to my science teacher that I didn't like music. And he looked at me like I was super odd. Yeah, I would have looked at you exactly <laughs> the same way. But maybe it was all the leftover trauma from those terrible piano lessons. Maybe. Maybe it was just a late bloomer. I wonder if you can grow out of musical adonia. I'm super curious about this now. More research required, Harris. There you go. More research for you, Walker. I cannot imagine not having music in my life. I, I could probably compile a playlist of my entire life. That's how embedded it is wow. in my experience. And I love to sing. It's my therapy. Well, my singing career is limited to singing This Little Light of Mine in a church choir as a Love child. Love that song. And I even belted out, I'd like to teach the world to sing, you know, a couple times at karaoke. Nice. Um, but I would not classify myself as a good singer. Well, that's all lies because I have heard you sing, Walker. Uh, not really. Yes, I have. <laughs> I would consider myself to be a three and a half out of 10 on the e-trike karaoke scale. What on earth is an e-trike karaoke? It is my new online obsession. Okay. It's, it's an Instagram page I follow, Alana Malikadem. 
the host, asks random people on the streets whether they will ride on her e-trike for $20 and sing karaoke while she drives around the city, usually L.A. Cool. But first, she asks them what their current favorite song is and how they rate themselves in terms of their singing ability on a scale of 1 to 10. Oh, my gosh. I hope she runs into me. I would love to do this. It's I haven't heard of it. so much fun. Oh, my I, gosh. I absolutely love it. So are any of the people that she asks, are they good singers? Funnily enough, the people who are really great tend to rate themselves quite low. Hmm. Yeah, of course, this is not the case with me. When I say I'm a 3.5 out of 10, I really am a 3.5 No, you're not, 10. but okay. I do love karaoke, though. Oh, we should go. <laughs> that is really interesting that they rate themselves so yeah. low, even if they have some talent. I think we're just our own worst critics. I love karaoke, Walker, but there is nothing like singing in a choir. So tell me, what's the most challenging song you've ever sung? Well, there have been a lot. Mm -hmm. There have been a lot of challenging songs, but I'll just say a most recent example. In our latest performance, we sang Somebody to Love by Queen. Ah. And we had a kick-ass soloist. Like, I'm talking, knock your socks off, blow your hair back. Amazing. And our choir really brought it. Like the sound was really full. Everybody was dead on. It was amazing. But the entries and the rhythms of that song can be tricky. So there was a lot of work required to to get there, but we got a standing O. Really? That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Now, I've got a challenge for you, Harris. I want to hear you perform Eminem's 2013 hit, Rap God. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? Of all songs, why why that song? Well, I don't know if you knew this, but it holds the world record for the highest number of words contained in one song. Oh, great. 1,560 words at an average of 4.28 words per second. Oh, that's what I need to really have a lot of words and have to say them really, really fast. Okay, I'm going to take that challenge, Walker. I'm going to get working on it today. You're nuts, Harris, but I'm going to hold you to it to okay. be continued. You got it. Although I would like to try my hand again at picking up an instrument in the near future at the moment, I think I'm good just listening and appreciating music. Yep. I think I think that's what I'm going to do. Yep. According to an article in Psych Central, there are so many benefits to just listening to music. Contemporary research suggests music has significant power to help reduce stress and anxiety, relieve pain, and improve focus, among many more benefits, mm-hmm. they say. Yeah. And our beloved alma mater, Harris McGill University, has been at the center of many studies over the last, I would say, 15 years or so, right. involving music, specifically how it's connected to our happiness. In one study, researchers discovered via brain scans that the neurotransmitter dopamine, which is connected with pleasure for sex and food, is also released in the brain when listening to music we enjoy. Mm -hmm. We know that listening to music also lowers levels of cortisol in the body. Yeah, absolutely. I believe it. And I heard that listening to music is also proven to reduce pain in cancer, geriatric, and intensive Mm. care patients. Right. And also can improve the memory of those suffering from Alzheimer's. Yeah, I've heard this as well. But how does the music help Alzheimer's patients? Well, Dr. Laura Mosqueda, who is the director of the program in geriatrics at the University of California at the Irvine School of Medicine, Mm -hmm. she says that music is able to stimulate healthy pathways that may exist in the brain because music affects many areas of the brain. Okay, interesting. This is remarkable. Mm -hmm. So whether you play an instrument, sing, or just listen and appreciate music, music is is for everybody. 
And it is good for everybody. It certainly is. Today, we're beyond excited to introduce Cheryl Bauer, president and founder of Voices Rock Canada, an organization of rock choirs for the 21st century, inclusive of all abilities and backgrounds for ages 9 through 99. Welcome to At Home and Abroad, Cheryl. Thank you so much for having me, Heather and Laura. Yeah, I'm so excited to see you. And full disclosure, I am a member of the ensemble group at Voices Rock Canada. So I am a little biased as we head into this beautiful interview with Cheryl Bauer. So I want to ask you, Cheryl, when people hear the term choir, it may bring to mind the traditional singing ensembles, you know, wearing robes and holding songbooks. Can you tell us a little bit about Voices Rock Canada and how you are reinventing perceptions of the traditional community choir? Sure, Heather. I've sung for years in choirs. However, the music didn't always ring true to what I really enjoyed, and that is rock and pop music. Mm -hmm. And I think with traditional choirs, like you alluded to, we tend to think of choirs as secular. I happened to come across a very innovative choir back in 2010 that was rock and pop. And I heard people singing on stage and I knew this was for me. There was something about singing in harmony with other adults and singing the music of our generation. So uh, Voices Rock Canada was created because I love kids. And I really questioned whether there were rock choirs for kids in Canada. And at three o'clock in the morning, I'm Googling that. And it turns out there weren't any rock choirs for children. So I created a pilot project and the rest is history. The rest is history. And now it is a growing concern. You've expanded to over seven choirs and two locations. Our musical program is really excellent. And we combine fun with hard work, discipline, cutting loose. And of course, we sing with live rock bands a couple times a year in our concerts. The expansion of Voices Rock came as a result of really a butterfly effect. And I mean this because we heard that the second leg of a an adult rock choir was closing and we wanted to create that same excellent experience for adults as we had with the children. And Voices Rock Ensemble was born in 2017 and subsequently we started rock choirs for women physicians now standing at three in-person locations and one online across Canada and parts of the northern U.S. And for retired and seniors in the west part of the GTA was another choir that we started. I just really feel we fill a niche for certain demographics. And certainly children and seniors have really benefited from this. Because not everyone is into sports, like especially for kids. They're not into sports or science or anything like that. And they love music. They love theater. This is that place for those kids that don't fit into that sport thing. And for the seniors, it's a, it's a place as they grow older, they tend to be a, a little more isolated. You know, they maybe lost a partner or they've retired from their work and they're looking for something to do that's part of the community. And that inspires me and keeps me going with these choirs. Mm -hmm. Finding a place for yourself to either maybe as a child push past your boundaries, well, even as an adult to push past your boundaries, let's be frank, or find a community when, you know, at certain stages of life, it can be, it can be more challenging. That's, mm, that's really, 
Really inspiring. So in light of that, music can be very healing. It can provide that safe space on so many levels. Could you share with us a little anecdote of how music maybe has positively affected your own life or maybe an example uh, within your membership? Um, One of the catalysts for me starting Voices Rock was that my husband had passed away in 2012. And having music and the friendships created during this time period was extraordinarily healing. It is my belief that music is a universal language. And if we think of the song, The Rising, that Bruce Springsteen created after Mm -hmm. 9-11 and how meaningful that song was during that time period and gathering people together. That's, that's how I see my organization. I really do feel that we are this kind of support system Mm -hmm. and our choirs are filled with people who love singing. And as a result, uh, very strong communities have formed. There've been rallying troops when one member is down or ill, there have been fundraisers for meaningful causes like supporting the family of a fallen colleague with the doctors. And the community sustains the members. And it was particularly important at the height of the pandemic mm-hmm. when so many people were struggling with isolation and loneliness. And for many months, we were the only connection to community in the outside world after we pivoted quickly to ensure our membership stayed together. And at Voices Rock, we consequently have a very good retention rate of people returning year after year. Mm-hmm. And I can't really speak to one singular story, but I can say that as a collective, I receive testimonials and heartfelt notes from members almost on a daily basis. And that's been going on for seven years. People express how grateful they are and how meaningful it was to people that have joined a doctor and a child. Their house had burned down. And um, then they came into Voices Rock and it was just this kind of separation away from everyday life that was this healing place for them to be. Mm -hmm. And we've been able to keep our choirs going and in some cases expanding like in Ottawa, our newest choirs. Yeah. And I can attest too, personally, you know, I've been part of Voices Rock since 2017 when Ensemble was started. and you know, life happens. There have been some very difficult times, very happy times too. And I have to say that the Voices Rock Canada community has has always been there and is a it's a beacon of light in my life. And I think I can speak for most of the membership, if not all, that uh, everybody feels that way. So thank you, Cheryl, for that. I love hearing that. <laughs> well, it's true. It's from the bottom of my heart. It's from the yeah. bottom of my heart. So Cheryl, many people shy away from singing because they're so self-conscious about their own abilities, but your choirs are really inclusive. What would you suggest to our listeners if they're feeling uncertain about joining their local choir? Um, It's the belief of both of my choir directors in Toronto and Ottawa that everyone can sing and that given enough time and energy and practicing, you too, Lauren, can join (laughs) Oh, I was speaking for a friend, Cheryl. (laughs) Because I'm seeing that you're not on my current membership list. (laughs) Um, And because of our mandate that we've created, which is just basically, you know, we're there for the joy of singing, having an inclusive space. We find that sometimes the shyest people who try out for a solo are given congratulations and sometimes a standing ovation for their courage. 
of course, not everyone wants a solo. So what, what I would encourage people to do is to go to a choir for the sheer joy of singing and being part of a community, an inclusive community like we have. And if you want, you can hide in the back for the first couple of weeks, but you will find from your choir mates in your section that they will want to form friendships and learn something about you. And that's my favorite thing about choirs, actually, that the shows are nice, but the buildup before, during rehearsal, and sometimes after having special events and karaoke nights or open mics are really the glue that bonds all of us together. Well, that's so neat. So when someone has come out of the proverbial shower, what benefits does membership in a choir offer? Um, it's my belief that joining a choir is not only good for your soul, but great for your mental health. And think about this. You work all day or your kids are cranky or you have a big worry with aging parents or whatever it might be. For an hour and a half every week, you can escape into music and forget your troubles and focus and learn the new music and be around friends that will support you. And for me, the best thing that has ever happened is the immersion into the music so I don't have to think about anything else. And that was really happening when my, first of all, my husband got ill, but in the aftermath and after his death, I just had this, I had this really strong group of women that were, um, they were my back. Right. And um, there's nothing like that. You know, people of a certain age, you get to a certain age and you kind of go, yeah, okay, you know, am I ever going to find new friends? Well, I found like tons of new friends uh, at, at my age now. So it's gold. Wow. So much to offer. Voices Rock sounds like it's constantly evolving and growing. What's next for Voices Rock Canada? Well, ladies. <laughs> Ultimately, I would like to take over the entire choral world of Canada. But quite seriously, uh, we receive inquiries every day as to whether it's viable for different cities to have a Voices Rock Canada franchise in their centre. And that's exactly how uh, Ottawa started. Uh, we had one doctor there that said, I think I can get a few people. And about 45 seconds later, there were 66 doctors signed up for the choir in Ottawa. And then we subsequently started a, a pilot for an ensemble group there as well. And that's just in the last year. But in the aftermath of this retreat that I was on this past weekend with uh, 90, 90 doctors, what we found was that certain doctors were coming up, and this happens in all of our choirs, by the way, it's not just doctors, but certain doctors were coming up and saying, hey, what about what about Winnipeg? What about Halifax? And even though we have an online choir, it's not the same as being in person. We did the online choir for the doctors as a result of the pandemic, like, and we gathered people across Canada and parts of the U.S. to sing online. And it's continued, which is really quite interesting. But, you know, some of them are wanting their own Voices Rock in their centres. And this past weekend, we also were approached by a woman who was actually the spearhead of the doctors in Ottawa and said, OK, you know, I have six kids. Um, let's start a kids choir there. And she's already got she's already got 20, 20 kids kind of interested in that. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I I haven't talked to Heather about this <laughs> because it's just surprise, so surprise, Heather. That's amazing! <laughs> what great news! I know, I know. So you know, we're uh, you know we have certain criteria before we can get started, even on a pilot. Like you know, we really want 
35 people to be interested. And uh, then we have to source a choir director and then we have to source a venue. Probably, probably in the other order, like the venue first and then the choir director. But well, sounds like these pilot projects though, were so successful that they really set the groundwork for, yeah. for growth. And every single choir we had, with the exception of the seniors, have been a pilot project. You know, like the ensemble group, we got them coupled with the kids for three songs that created a pilot. The doctors, it was one, it was one doctor in Toronto that got 60 doctors in a matter of like two weeks as well. So these are all really, really exciting propositions that we have going. And that's really how, how I think um, Voices Rock, I think that's the direction we're going in. Even if the pilots don't launch, mm-hmm. you know, at least people have had this incredible experience and maybe it leads to something else in another center. Wow. Well, it sounds like Voices Rock has something very special going on there, Cheryl, and a good part of the reason for your huge success and future success as well. I'd like to thank you so much for chatting with us today, Cheryl. It was an absolute pleasure speaking with you. If you'd like to learn more about Voices Rock Canada, you can find them online at www.voicesrockcanada.com or on Instagram and Facebook at at voices underscore rock underscore Canada, or even better, see their choirs live at an upcoming event. Thanks so much, Cheryl. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you so much. Well, despite the obvious benefits of music, did you know that musicians on average have shorter lifespans? Really? How can that be true after all we just learned? Well, I know. I was surprised to read this. A University of Sydney study concluded that male and female artists had a shorter lifespan on average than the rest of us. Wow, that's crazy. I wonder if it's the hard living, drinking, smoking, and drugs that some musicians engage in while on the road were contributing factors in that study. Well, you are on to something there, Harris. Pop and rock stars had a shorter life by 25 years. Wow. I know. The deaths of 12,655 musicians who passed away between 1950 and 2014 were examined, and the average age of death was between their late 50s and early 60s. Holy moly. I know. Lead researcher Professor Diana Kenny explained that the music scene celebrates drugs and promiscuity and valorization of early death. So young musicians who are depressed and suicidal are attracted to these types of environments. They are meeting fellow travelers where they amplify each other's suicide, depression, or substance abuse, and that gets into an out-of-control spiral leading to early death. Yikes, that's really dark. I know. The rate of death by suicide, accident, or homicide are all significantly higher for musicians than the rest of us. Well, maybe it's a good thing I never realized my rock and roll dreams there, Walker. Well, on a positive note, the spread in stats between musicians and the general public has narrowed over the years. Well, that's reassuring to Mm -hmm. hear. Some of my favorite people are musicians. There certainly have been more than enough, though, who have experienced their own share of hardship. It's a really tough career. Mm -hmm. Take, for example, the late the great, the iconic Tina Turner. Yeah, she was a bright light who inspired so many. Yeah, she's a legend. She was inspirational as a musician, but also as a woman. The abuse she suffered and her rise above and beyond it was truly remarkable. Yeah, I read one of her fans said that she showed people how to be a strong, fierce, resilient woman. People love Tina for both her music and for what she represented. Yeah, her influence, her story... It's going to continue to live on through her music for all time. 
Music is more influential than you might even think, though, Walker. Mm -hmm. Did you know that music can influence how much you eat? I didn't, but, you know, somehow I'm not surprised because you aren't supposed to eat when you're distracted, like in front of the TV. Yeah, you're right. So, like when watching TV, music can distract us from picking up on the I'm full signals. Studies indicate that we eat up to 10% more than we would if we weren't listening to music. That's a little tip for you. And the louder the music, the more we tend to drink. Probably because we tend to eat and drink instead of listening and talking to other people. Studies indicate a 22% increase in the volume of music makes us drink 26% faster. Huh. And faster music also makes me... Makes me... (laughs) That's a Freudian slip. (laughs) And faster music also makes us eat faster. And get this, Walker. Classical music makes people want to spend more on food and beverage. Ah, fancier food. Yeah, so the restaurant industry is on to that. So if music distracts us when we eat, my next thought is, does it help or distract us while we work? So what do you think, Walker? Do you listen to music when you work? Hmm. I would say that it makes working more enjoyable, Mm -hmm. especially physical work. But when I have to do some deep thinking, I find it really distracting. Yeah. I do think that the genre of music and if there are lyrics or not makes a difference for me anyway. Yeah. And I find it's easier to think when classical music is playing in the background versus some other types of music, like your new <laughs> Eminem challenge. Yeah, my nice big <laughs> rap challenge. Yeah, coming up. Yeah, if it, if there are lyrics, I'm going to start belting out the song. Right. I'm going to be listening to the song. So I agree with you. Classical music in the background, I can work with that. According to an article in Business News Daily, Can Music Boost Office Productivity? The research on it, though, Walker, is inconclusive. Okay. Researchers know that because music increases dopamine levels, music you like will make doing your work more enjoyable. Okay. But another article in the Harvard Business Review dove a little deeper into the topic and stated that picking the right type of music at the right time and for the right task can be a powerful productivity booster. I wonder if it works the opposite Mm. way. One interesting point they made was that if you're an extrovert, you will likely benefit from music because you lean towards being understimulated. Oh, I could see that. Right? Yeah. But if you're introverted, you may find any sound distracting. Right. Another little tidbit is whether you are comfortable with the task will determine whether background music would be beneficial or not. Okay. So for instance, if you're familiar with a task, then music can help you achieve greater focus. But if you are just learning a new task and it's complicated, it's recommended that you avoid any background music until you're more familiar so that you can really focus on on getting the task done. Okay, so that totally makes sense. If it you does. can do a task in your sleep and you've done it a million yeah. times. If it's automatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. So it's a lot more complicated than yeah. I initially thought. Right. And I get into that argument with my teens all the time. Oh, do you? Yeah, you know, like how are you, how can you focus studying for your chemistry exam right. when you've got blaring music in your AirPods? And you've got potentially all these lyrics, like a story going on. Exactly. Yeah. But I guess for some people, depending on the task, right. you know, maybe they can, they can manage it. Working out though, like remember you mentioned about physical activity and listening to music. Yes. I think it's a little different when you're exercising. Music does seem to be helpful when working out because we tend to synchronize our movements with the beat of the music. Yes. 
And I do this home workout called Rhythm Fit. Thank you. Shout out to my friend, Allison. And it's based on this concept. Oh. And I have to say, a good beat can really improve my workout experience. It makes it more fun, mm-hmm. right? Well, that sounds really logical to me. Did you know that music, along with painting, poetry, literature, and architecture, was an Olympic event from 1912 until 1948? That's crazy. I know. With this connection between music and our movement, it makes sense that music should be part of the Olympics, mm. not you know, I'm not so sure about poetry, literature, or architecture, but certainly music. Maybe. I still can't conceptualize that. <laughs> like, it just seems so crazy. But architecture? I know. How does that work? I know. Well, when I initially read it, I thought, oh, I'm going to have to double check this again. Yeah. Is this for sure? I think that requires more research, too. I, it boggles the mind a bit. Mm-hmm. I know you probably knew this already, but I had never heard about Space Sessions, Songs from a Tin Can, which was released in 2015 until I started researching this episode. Okay. Have you been living like in a deep, dark cave, not part of the human race, Walker? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I don't I know. know how you've never heard of it. I know. What the heck was I doing in 2015? How could I not have heard about this? It was the first album ever to be recorded in space by Canada's very own Chris Hatfield. It was huge news, but better late than never, Walker. Now you know all about it. Looks like I've got something to download tonight for sure. Definitely. He's a pretty inspiring guy and not a bad musician either. Hmm. I've got another piece of music trivia for you, Walker, which you probably have never heard before. One which really proves what lengths people will go to to protect their instruments. Did you know that Eddie Van Halen once tried to retrieve some guitars that he left behind at the house owned by Fred Durst of Limp Bizkit? No, I did not. Okay. (laughs) Not that that's like common knowledge, but okay. (laughs) After 24 hours of being ghosted by Fred, Van Halen supposedly drove a tank he purchased at a military auction through LA and Beverly Hills to Durst's house, and when Durst opened the door, Van Halen pulled out a gun, he wasn't wearing a shirt, and his hair was in a samurai bun, (laughs) those are important details, and he demanded his stuff to be returned. Well, that is one way to get your stuff back. That's craziness. (laughs) I know. Well, Eddie was pretty damn serious about his guitars, but really, knowing how attached people are to their guitars, I would have thought that the guitar would have been the most purchased instrument in the world, especially because it's so portable, but it's not. I would have thought so as well. Much easier to pull out a guitar at a campfire than rolling out a piano, that's for sure. (laughs) So what is the most purchased instrument? Now now you've got my interest peaked. Okay, I want you to guess. Can you guess, Walker? Uh, Most purchased instrument. Uh, no, I thought it was a guitar. (laughs) (laughs) The harmonica. It wouldn't have immediately come to mind, but it does make sense, right? It's little tiny thing. You can get it in any toy store and it's way less expensive than a guitar. And I love me some harmonica. On the topic of instruments, have you ever heard of a sea organ before? Is it featured in Little Mermaid? I don't think so, Harris. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, a large sea organ was built on the coast of Zadar, Croatia in 2005. Oh, right. I think I've heard of this. You have? Yeah. Yeah, well, the organ plays music when it's hit by sea waves, and the waves hit tubes located underneath a set of large marble steps producing calming sounds. Wow. I would love to experience that. I actually think we weren't too far away when we were in Croatia, so I'm not sure how we missed it. 
One of the most wonderful things about music, though, is the way it brings people together, like Cheryl was saying. It certainly does. Music can even achieve this despite language barriers. In our house, you'll often hear Sir Jorge's Portuguese covers of David Bowie songs. Oh, wow. I don't even think I've ever heard of him. I'll have to have a listen. Oh, absolutely. The album is really, really great. Very chill. I think the idea of music transcending any language barriers was most evident for me, though, when I was 14 and was taking part in a student exchange. Hmm. I was living with a family in northern Quebec for two weeks. One day, I saw that my host mother was crying while listening to a country song on the radio while it was being sung in English. Hmm. I was surprised that she was so moved by the music, even if she didn't understand English. Right. She replied that she didn't have to because she could tell that it was a sad song. Aw, music does help us feel, doesn't it, Walker? Certainly does. Well, here's a fun fact for you, for us two closet metalheads. Uh, don't tell my fellow card-carrying James Taylor and Neil Diamond fan club members. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that heavy metal is really, really popular in Scandinavia? I did know that. And that Finland boasts the most metal bands per capita? I did not know that. And that there is a tie, <laughs> too, between Norway and Sweden for the second most heavy metal bands. <laughs> Why so much metal love in Scandinavia? I, I don't wonder. know. This is bringing to mind the Will Ferrell movie, Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga. That is such a funny movie. <laughs> Eurovision is a perfect example of music's ability to bring people together from different nations, isn't it? That in the glass microphone trophy. Oh, of course. Who wouldn't want that trophy? <laughs> and no cash prize for the winner, just the fame and glory. Yeah, it's a big, big deal. See, this is what I love about music, Harris. Although downloading music and buying vinyl can be pricey, music is all around us in the elevator, in the grocery store, whether you want to hear it or not. And you can even sing to yourself for free. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of free, I have to slip in just a few last minute facts for you, Walker. Did you know that Rod Stewart holds the Guinness World Record for the largest free concert ever held? Nope, I did not. He is a legend, too, in his own time, though. His hair. I know. His hair is like one of his best-known attributes. And and his train collection, too. Okay. That's not a best-known attribute. Huge model train collection, in my husband's opinion. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I never knew that he had a big train collection. But his voice is very, very distinctive, too, right? It is. It is. Yeah. So, 4.2 million people attended his free New Year's Eve concert, 1994-1995, in Copacabana, Rio de Janeiro. What a wonderful legacy. Yep. And you're going to love this little tidbit too, Walker. Okay. Did you know that the British Navy has used Britney Spears songs to scare off Somali pirates? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Come on. I'm I'm telling the truth. The British Navy has played Oops, I Did It Again and Baby One More Time when they were off the East Coast of Africa as the weapon against these pirates. In an article for The Guardian, Merchant Naval Officer Rachel Owens was quoted as saying, her songs were chosen by the security team because they thought the pirates would hate the most. These guys cannot stand Western culture or music, which makes Britney's hits perfect. And as soon as the pirates get a blast of Britney, they move on as quickly as they can. This is hilarious. Talk about using music in a novel way. I know. Music truly has the ability to change ourselves and the world. As Ray Charles said, music is powerful. As people listen to it, they can be affected. They respond. 
The hits of the 60s and 70s were songs with lyrics with a message, often anti-war messages, like Bob Dylan's Master of War. Did you know the German song, though, of 1983-99 Red Balloons by Nana was an anti-war song? Oh, I love that song. 99 I know. I remember everyone used to sing the German version, 99 Luftballons, at parties, and they had no idea what they were saying. They were just trying to phonetically sing the German. Well, it was a novelty, right? It I think was. It was the very first pop song that we ever listened yeah. to in the 80s. That, that crossed over from English Europe. Lyrics. Yeah, 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 yeah. The song actually describes pilots who, after investigating a cluster of red balloons, reacted by firing, which led to a full-blown war. Wow. Many musicians use their songs to convey their beliefs or to send a message. Society's need for tolerance and acceptance of interracial relationships was the message of Gwen Stefani's 2004 song, Long Way to Go, and Lady Gaga's 2011 hit, Born This Way, has a pro-LGBTQ plus message. Mm -hmm. In her article, Songs That Change the World, Music of the Past, Present, and Future, Beth Gonzalez notes that according to Tracy Nichols, topics such as social justice, human rights, and war have strong ties to folk music and are deeply rooted in the music of Woody Guthrie, Bob Dylan, who we already mentioned, and also our own Leonard Cohen. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. We could do a whole episode on the social impact of music just in the 1960s alone. And I do love Leonard Cohen, his poetry and his songs. Mm -hmm, Me too. It isn't just celebrities that employ music to support social change. I recently read a story about some refugee children living in Beirut who meet each week to express and share their experience by singing and composing music. Mm. This is thanks to Right to Play, which has organized the Music for Social Change program, providing psychosocial support to children in need. Music is a tool used to empower those that attend. Wow. These young refugees bond and write songs which express their right to education, among other things such as safety at school, access to food and clean water as well. They've even entered a global music competition where the children were required to build instruments using what they call a music through robotics kit and recycled materials. Oh, that's so cool. Did they win? They did. Yay, I love that. (laughs) Music is so powerful, Walker. It can change people's minds, change people's lives. Sometimes it's just the concert itself, though, that can be powerful and influential. So true. We can't talk about music and social change without mentioning the infamous Woodstock. Oh, for sure. Right? This festival gave musicians and their fans the chance to gather, to spread a message of unity and peace. And then there was Live Aid in 1985. That raised $127 million for famine relief in Africa. And Farm Aid, too, raised $7 million in 1985 to help support family members who were in crisis for the first time since the Depression in the United States. Farm Aid concerts continue to this day. And since that initial concert, they've raised $53 million. That is really great to hear. It's nice to hear that it wasn't just a one-time thing. Yeah, absolutely. It continues to give and give. And most recently, Coldplay used their own concert tour to send a message, a climate change message. Oh, this is neat. Yep. In 2022, Coldplay began their eco-friendly Music of the Spheres world tour, and it continues until November 2023. So tell me, how's it eco-friendly? Well, Coldplay arranged for a team of sustainability experts to determine the carbon footprint of a tour and how they could reduce it while they were on the road. Good idea. I know. The tour uses clean energy to help reduce the carbon footprint they produce. The tour is powered by hydro-treated vegetable oil and solar panels. Hmm. 
And with the help of BMW, the first ever mobile rechargeable battery created from recyclable BMW i3 batteries. And that powers the concerts. And get this, Walker, some stadiums gather and use kinetic energy from kinetic floors. Okay, that's really neat. This is super, super cool. These floors generate energy from the movement of the audience and bicycles that they provide that fans can ride. Why isn't everybody doing this? Isn't it so beyond cool? I really could go on and on and on with all the neat ideas that Coldplay came up with to help address a more sustainable approach to all the lighting and the lasers, even right down to the wristbands. Yeah, I've never never been to a Coldplay concert, but I hear the laser show and all the lighting is incredibly impressive. Yeah. Oh, we should go. Maybe we can get tickets somewhere before November this year. That would be neat. That would be super, super cool. Okay, Coldplay, if you're listening... (laughs) Harrison Walker, comp us a couple tickets. It doesn't even have to be front row. No, we can sit at the back. We can sit at the back. We'll get ourselves there, just so you know. Yeah, and they also encourage their fans to use bikes or trains as form of transportation to get to the concerts. Fans are given free drinking water if they bring a refillable bottle. And the band members themselves, they also take commercial flights. They use electric cars and they eat primarily plant-based food while on tour. Okay, so they're walking the walk. They're walking the walk. And to top it all off, they are donating 10% of the profits from concerts to environmental causes and planting a tree for every ticket sold. Whoa, this I is know. this is pretty incredible. Yeah. They set the bar pretty high. Do they ever? And a high bar is a pretty great thing. Thank you for joining us at At Home and Abroad with your hosts, Harrison Walker. If you enjoyed this episode, we would really appreciate it if you would rate and review our show. It helps us grow and expand our reach. Subscribe to follow us each week as we continue the conversation. You can also say hi to us on Instagram at at Harrison Walker. We would love to hear from you.